Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even in the absurd depths of fictional lore, there aren't many franchises out there with a universe as deep and bizarre as Star Trek. Taking us hundreds of years into the future, and sometimes even further into the past, an entire galaxy of civilization has birthed movies, books, TV shows, and whatever other outlets people can find for their creativity. But if there's one thing that can match the murky depths of Star Trek fiction, it's the equally clouded history of Star Trek fact. Hundreds of performers, writers, producers, directors, and studio bigwigs have been involved in some capacity over the decades, and with each of them comes the potential for a mythicized tale. Abortive plans, backstage disputes, you name it, there's been enough personalities and egos involved at every level to make it happen. To borrow a phrase from another beloved sci-fi property, the truth is indeed out there if you know where to look. From dramatic ground axis to things being very gently set straight, Star Trek's greatest urban legends can all be laid to rest in this wonderful information age. My name is Adam Cleary and these are 10 notorious Star Trek urban legends. Number 10, Paramount tried to replace Deanna Troy with Seven of Nine. One of the more positive moments in Star Trek Nemesis, and there weren't many, was the brief cameo from Kate Mulgrew as Admiral Janeway. It was fun, it was seamlessly integrated, it was an all too infrequent reminder that these characters form part of a rich and layered shared universe. However, it wasn't Paramount's original choice for incorporating Voyager. In a tale that's been told inconsistently from numerous people, Paramount made more than one attempt to bring Seven of Nine into the movie at the expense of a principal member of the Next Generation's cast. Initially, this was believed to be Marina Sirtis, who, when attempting to negotiate pay parity with her male co-stars, was threatened with being removed from the film. When I was negotiating Nemesis, and I cannot do her voice, they said, we are going to fire you and hire Jerry Ryan. And I said, well, Jerry Ryan won't do it for that money, that's for sure. I quit smoking for six years, but what got me started again was contract negotiations with Paramount. That is how bad it was. However, Ryan herself stated that while she knew her name was being used in the negotiations, the Troy story was news to her. They did offer me a role in Nemesis, again, can't do the voice, to replace a different character, but it was not Marina. There was absolutely no reason to replace this character with Seven of Nine, so obviously we didn't do it. Number nine, the original cast didn't get any royalties. Despite being allegedly the most widely syndicated series in television history, the cast of the original Star Trek series have also allegedly barely seen a single dollar from its success. Despite it being one of the most timeless shows ever made and still enjoying screenings to this day, this one looks like it might actually be true. Speaking on the Transporter Room 3 podcast, William Shatner explained that the rules put in place to ensure that members of the cast were entitled to royalties for reruns came into effect 
after Star Trek was on the air. That came into being about three years later, and while I can do the accent I'm not going to, the series Star Trek that I was in was so early on there were no residuals, so none of us have ever received them. It's crazy to think that for all the additional hours of broadcast the show enjoyed and the millions of dollars it subsequently made in the process, none of the original cast were given a check in the post for it. They were steadily becoming the most iconic TV characters to emerge from the 1960s all while a network which cancelled them after only three seasons was reaping untold financial rewards. Dicks. Number 8, the uniforms in Generations were borrowed from Deep Space Nine. Now, the story behind the costuming department for Star Trek Generations could easily be a video all its own, but the short version of the story is that brand new uniforms were planned for this movie before being scrapped entirely for budgetary reasons. This change of plans created numerous problems. Firstly, a brand new line of tie-in figurines that featured the uniforms had already been created and shipped to stores. There was no way to recall them, so they simply had to be released wrong. Secondly, it meant that to fulfil the producer's requirements for new uniforms, the movie would need to borrow the more jumpsuit-looking style from Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Literally, too, as it was deemed a waste of money to make all new ones when a selection of them were readily available from the studio. They gave Cisco's uniform to Riker, O'Brien's to Geordi, Tom Paris's to Picard, and Harry Kim's to Data. The end result is several scenes where it is painfully obvious that members of the crew aren't all wearing clothes that fit them, while those that are are seemingly using the old Next Generation uniforms into changeably. What a mess. Number 7. Isaac Asimov saved Star Trek the motion picture. One small curiosity about this movie is that included deep in the credits, Isaac Asimov is listed as a special consultant. The legendary science fiction author often credited with inspiring the genre's explosion in popularity during the 20th century, his inclusion in a Star Trek movie would have been big news at the time. So why wasn't it? Well, Asimov wasn't drafted in to help with the writing or the production or any element of actually crafting the movie, however it's arguable that he's responsible for getting it made at all. With a major rift brewing between Roddenberry and the studio over the nature of the plot, and specifically that the idea of this living robot seeking its creator would have major scientific and religious ramifications, he was the man that both parties went to in order to settle the argument. He reassured the executives that this was a great narrative thread to tug on, and indeed one that would likely be seen as visionary in decades to come. They weren't entirely convinced, and it took NASA director Robert Jastrow to do that, but they trusted his judgement and, having provided the most important slice of consultancy in the whole film, credited him thusly. Number 6. Ro Lauren secretly returned for a movie cameo. Before the days of rumour-busting Reddit threads and carefully paused reveals on Twitter, you actually had to journey all the way down to the movie theatre to see if something about a film was actually true. For Star Trek Nemesis, that rumour was that every recurring character from the next generation made an appearance at the Riker-Troy wedding. Will Wheaton returned as Wesley Crusher, Whoopi Goldberg could briefly be seen as Guinan, but one major return concerned that of Ro Lauren. The confrontational Bajoran ensign played by Michelle Forbes, who was the character originally written into the role of Deep Space Nine that was filled by Kira Norris, given her tumultuous relationship with Riker, this got people talking. Emerging from screenings, people were absolutely sure that it was true. While not featured prominently, a dark-haired woman resembling Forbes can be seen during Picard's speech, and most fans took this as being Ro Lauren. However, with the miracle of fully published casting lists and the aforementioned HD pause function, it's since been revealed not to be the case. In-universe, Ro remains at large, having defected to the marquee. Number 5. The cast all hated the motion picture. 
Sooner or later, someone is going to make a documentary about Star Trek's lost years. Starting with how the original series was cancelled, the abortive attempts to make Planet of the Titans, the failed Phase 2 project, and how it all finally came to a head with the motion picture. It was a tumultuous time for the franchise, and those fractures were more than present on set. Starting with Leonard Nimoy's outstanding legal dispute over unpaid royalties, extensive rewrites over the script, and even the entire cast up in arms about how uncomfortable the uniforms were, the entire production was a disaster. Paramount have since stated that no major movie they've been involved with has come closer to missing its release date than this. Now, I should probably do an entire list about the various conflicts raging on set, but as a primer, here's a brief rundown. The script was being rewritten on a daily basis to the extent that the cast actually had no idea what the story was about by the end. Neither the studio, the director, the writers or the cast could agree on an ending with plans being changed constantly. William Shatner required special lighting to hide his corset lines, much to the annoyance of his co-stars. The projectors used for the bridge controls were so loud that all the audio had to be recorded after principal photography had finished. This added weeks to production and thousands to the budget when the film could afford neither. Walter Koenig received several burns during one scene but was required to continue shooting. Almost every major member of the cast lobbied for additional characterization but was turned down. Still low, the film was... alright. Number four, Spock was written out of Star Trek Generations. The opening scene of Star Trek Generations is easily one of the best in the entire movie. It sees Kirk, Chekhov and Scotty arriving as honoured guests on the bridge of the USS Enterprise B as it prepares for its maiden voyage, only for a perilous rescue operation to break out instead. Originally, this was supposed to be the holy trinity of Kirk, Spock and McCoy, but the latter two had to be replaced. For McCoy, it was simply that DeForest Kelly's health was such that he wasn't able to get on-set insurance, but for Spock, it came down to several irresolvable creative differences. According to him, while there was a character named Spock in this script, his lines were so bland they could be spoken by anyone. After being told that there simply wasn't time for a rewrite, Spock declined the offer and the part went to James Doohan instead. Given that virtually no changes were made to the lines for them to fit Scotty, Leonard Nimoy has since pointed out that this proves he was right. Number 3. Eddie Murphy had a major Star Trek role cut. In 1986, Eddie Murphy was one of the biggest stars in the whole world. Coincidentally, he also happened to be a huge Star Trek fan. With scripts being put together for a fourth movie in the series, producers began working overtime to find a way to incorporate him into the story. Once the decision had been made to send the crew back to 1980s San Francisco, the part of a Berkeley astrophysicist was written specifically for Murphy. He was going to be a key player of the story, given top billing with Shatner and Nimoy, and made one of the major parts of the film's marketing. However, when he was approached for the role, he didn't think much of the script and turned the part down. In the end, this role was reworked into the part of Dr. Gillian Taylor, the assistant head of the Cretaceous Institute, who was ultimately played by Catherine Hicks. Number two, Nemesis nearly ended Tom Hardy's career. It seems strange to consider now, with his career being an unprecedented worldwide success, but there have long been stories that the disastrous performance of Star Trek Nemesis not only derailed Tom Hardy's career, but his entire life with it. Despite being cast as a relative unknown at the time, Tom Hardy grew up a huge Star Trek fan and saw the part as the realisation of a boyhood dream. He threw everything into the role, getting into the perfect shape for the villain and meticulously studying Patrick Stewart's mannerisms to replicate them on screen. He was convinced this was going to 
be a career-defining breakout role for him, but in the end, his performance was picked out as one of a number of glaring problems with the movie. The response devastated him. His marriage collapsed, he began drinking heavily, and as he later admitted in an interview, he even contemplated suicide. Thankfully though, these feelings eased over time and Hardy eventually had his long-awaited eye-catching performance in Bronson some years later. The rest is, as they say, history. Number one, the communicator inspired the invention of the flip phone. Arguably Star Trek's most notorious and rarely clarified urban legend concerns its indirect role in the shaping of the technology of the 21st century. While it was inevitable that some of the gadgets seen on screen would naturally roll around sooner or later, the invention of the cell phone was allegedly to have been directly inspired by the communicators of the 60s TV show. Martin Cooper, the man credited with inventing the cell phone, was always quite happy to acknowledge his admiration for the show and inevitably people have joined the dots in the ensuing decades. However, the truth of this one is less exciting than the myth, as Cooper has also been on record to say that the actual concept and design of the devices predates the series by a number of years. However, years later when Motorola designed the first flip phone, they named it the Star TAC, in honour of the show that had directly influenced the look. So as urban myths go, there is at least some truth to the story that Star Trek directly had a hand in you being able to watch porn on the bus. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.